turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The DOJ convicts the first group of individuals involved in spying and stalking for the Chinese Communist Party. There are a whole bunch of measures which bipartisan, Republican, Democrat, in the Congress, all of them are being held up by the White House. Testimony before the House Ways and Means Committee reveals that attempts to charge Hunter Biden in 2022 were denied. There's absolutely no justification for this kind of a deal. 3M announces a huge settlement in a $10.3 billion decision. This $10.3 billion does not cover the growing list of states that are suing the chemical manufacturer. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Friday, June 23rd. I'm Mike Scott. Earlier this week, a federal jury in New York convicted three men of stalking a New Jersey family on behalf of the Chinese government. Of the defendants, Michael McMahon, a former sergeant in the New York City Police Department, raised eyebrows for his connection with the Chinese Communist Party. After a three-week trial, a federal jury in Brooklyn today found McMahon guilty of acting at the direction of the Chinese government when he harassed and stalked a Chinese citizen living in New Jersey to try to get the man to return to China. He says in 2016 he was retained privately as a private investigator to track down a Chinese national in New Jersey who McMahon was told was wanted for embezzling money from a construction company in China. McMahon says he had no idea that the People's Republic of China was behind the entire thing and that the man, a former government official in China, was wanted for corruption. A jury also found McMahon guilty of stalking and obstruction of justice. U.S. Attorney Breon Peace, who brought the case, said, We will remain steadfast in exposing and undermining efforts by the Chinese government to reach across our border and perpetrate transnational repression schemes targeting victims in the United States in violation of our laws. McMahon faces up to 20 years in prison. McMahon says that hindsight is 2020 and he would call law enforcement instead of taking on the job if he had known who was pulling the strings. If I had known for one second they were a foreign government, uh, especially China, uh, I would never have worked the case. I would have called the FBI. McMahon now says his fight is not over. Uh, this is not how America should operate. Um, Something needs to change. Uh, We filed an appeal. Uh, A lot more will come out about what happened in this trial. That should never happen to anybody. These are just the first for the DOJ's effort to combat the Chinese Communist Party's alleged international campaign that targets Chinese people around the world who the Chinese government deems as fugitives. 
According to prosecutors, McMahon was hired to get information about the targeted man and his family and his daughter from government databases. McMahon then reported back to a police officer with the Chinese government to give details on the family. Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation, a leading expert in national security and foreign policy, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that while the convictions are a step in the right direction, overall, the Biden administration has been very weak on China. So this is, not a lot of people know this, this is really important, really true. There are a whole bunch of measures, which bipartisan, Republican, Democrat, in the Congress, um, ban TikTok, you know, ban the the land, you know, don't let the far outbound investment, you know. Investigate COVID. Right. Right, right. All of them are being held up by the White House. In all, the U.S. government charged eight people, including six Chinese citizens, related to the plot. U.S. Assistant Attorney General John Dembers released a statement saying, quote, without coordination with our government, China's repatriation squads enter the U.S., surveil, locate alleged fugitives, then deploy intimidation and other tactics to try and force them back into China, where they would face certain imprisonment or worse, following illegitimate trials, end quote. There was a sad conclusion to a week-long search for a submersible carrying five to the wreckage of the Titanic. According to the Coast Guard, the sub imploded near the site, killing everyone on board nearly instantly. It was announced that debris had been found roughly 1,600 feet from the Titanic in the North Atlantic waters. After the craft was reported missing, The Navy analyzed its acoustic data and found an anomaly that was consistent with an implosion or explosion in the general vicinity of where the Titan submersible was operating when communications were lost. Bob Ballard is an oceanographer and the man who discovered the wreckage of the Titanic back in 1985 and explains what he believes happened to the submersible. This a tragic event more than likely took place on Sunday when they lost a c- connection with the surface. Uh, more than likely, they, uh, as they were ex- ex- experiencing difficulties, began to uh, uh, drop their weights and ascend to the surface. They never made it. So if you're on your way up and you're buoyant and you don't make it, it's a catastrophic uh, implosion. And I don't think people can appreciate the amazing energy involved in the destructive process of an implosion. Uh, I've explored the Thresher and the Scorpion, which were two U.S. submarines. In the case of the, of the Scorpion, uh, uh, ended up at a similar depth. And it just takes and literally shreds everything. So it's extremely powerful. And then that's what they'll be doing right now. As for what will happen next, Ballard has some ideas. Uh, They're now below the circulation system of the ocean in that area. So they'll do a systematic mapping. Those ROVs can remain. I I have one just like it, the one over my shoulder. Uh, Hercules is on my ship. And the beauty of these remotely operated vehicles is they can stay down 
days and days and days. So they'll be mapping all through the night and into the next day until they believe they've done 100% systematic coverage of the REC site. And then the analysis of that database will start to tell the larger story. Filmmaker James Cameron, who has famously taken many trips to the Titanic wreckage in preparation for his Oscar-winning movie, named for the sunken vessel, says he was shocked by the similarities between this tragedy and the one that claimed the famous vessel. Many people in the community were very concerned about this sub, and a number of, of uh you know, of the top players in the in the uh, deep submergence engineering community, even wrote letters to the company saying that what they were doing was too experimental to carry passengers and that needed to be certified and and so on. So I'm I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship, and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field on a moonless night and many people died as a result and for a very similar tragedy where warnings went unheeded to take place at the same exact site with all the diving that's going on all around the world uh i i think it's just astonishing it's really quite surreal the filmmaker describes what sort of dangers await anyone who tries to get up close and personal with the titanic the Titanic wreck site is a very hostile place. It's a dangerous site to dive. If you think of a typical research dive, you go down and you're really just operating over a bottom. You may be looking for organisms. You may be looking at geology. Hydrothermal vent sites can be, can be a bit dangerous as well. But Titanic, you've got you know this eight-story, ten-story high structure with overhanging uh, metal uh, structures. It's, it's a twisted mess. You can get entangled. And entanglement was always a concern of ours, but we dove with a two-sub system. We always felt confident that if one of the subs got ensnared, uh, you'd still have communication, you'd still have life support, you'd still have power, you'd have another sub there that could help you manage the problem. We always felt that that uh, we, were, we were on pretty safe ground. This sub had no backup. Having designed his own submarine for a dive into the Mariana Trench, Cameron points out what he feels were fundamental flaws of the OceanGate sub. It didn't have a lot of backup systems, from what I understand, and it was predicated on, on what I think of as a fundamentally flawed uh, design principle, which is a carbon fiber hull. The way it fails is it delaminates because it's you have to have a hull, a pressure hull made out of made out of a, a, a contiguous material like steel um, or like titanium, you know, which is the proven standard, or, or like acrylic. But, you know, this OceanGate sub had sensors on the inside of the hull to give them a warning when it was starting to crack. And I think if that's your idea of safety, then you're doing it wrong. You don't, you don't, and, and they probably had warning that their hull was starting to delaminate. And it's starting to crack because, as as Bob pointed out, it's our belief, we understand from inside the community, that they had dropped their ascent weights and they were coming up trying to manage an emergency. OceanGate Expeditions released a statement saying all five in the vessel, including CEO and pilot Stockton Rush, have sadly been lost. The others on board were two members of a prominent Pakistani family, British adventurer Hamish Harding, and Titanic expert Paul Henri 
Nargalette. Only a few days after Hunter Biden pled guilty to tax and gun crimes in a deal that many are calling a sweetheart deal. The House Ways and Means Committee announced that two IRS whistleblowers have provided testimony that alleges that they were forced to give preferential treatment to President Biden's son. Ways and Means Committee Chairman Republican Jason Smith of Missouri says, I can now confirm that we have credible whistleblower testimony alleging misconduct and government abuse that is resulting in preferential treatment for the president's son, Hunter Biden. Mr. Biden has been under investigation for tax crimes that include evading taxes on income from foreign sources. Only the Ways and Means Committee has the ability to report this information legally to the full House of Representatives and thereby make it known to the American public. Smith goes on to say that according to whistleblowers, they have faced retaliation from President Biden's Department of Justice. Whistleblowers claim the Biden Department of Justice is intervening and overstepping when it comes to the investigation of the president's son. These whistleblowers report they have faced almost immediate retaliation. Let me provide detail. On number one, not one, but two IRS employees are blowing the whistle with evidence that the federal government is not treating taxpayers equally when enforcing tax laws. Michael Goodwin is a columnist for the New York Post. And he joins us on the Salem Radio Network to weigh in on the deal that Hunter Biden received. Well, it stinks. Um, There's absolutely no justification based on what are publicly known facts uh, for this kind of a deal that essentially is a, you know, parking, parking tickets, uh, jaywalking. I mean, slap on the wrist any way you want to describe this sweetheart uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, I mean, this has supposedly been a five-year investigation, and they get him on uh, not paying taxes for 2017 and 2018. It, it doesn't say how much he earned. It's, very, it's a very curious settlement because it says that in 2017 – he ordered he earned earned in excess of one point five million dollars and the minimum taxes should have been one hundred thousand. He failed to pay it. Well, if you earn one point five million, it's a little hard to see how your taxes are only a hundred thousand yeah. uh, at the federal yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's not really clear how much he didn't pay in Goodwin's opinion. Those investigating Hunter Biden at the DOJ were simply uninterested in following much of the evidence. But then how did he earn the money? What did he do for the money? I mean, they, you know, it, it's almost like an in, not almost. It is an intentional decision not to follow the money, because following the money, the first lesson of Watergate would take you to all of these foreign entanglements. And then what happened to the money when it came into Hunter Biden's accounts? Did he share it with anybody? Well, we know he did because of what the House Republicans have already shown with their subpoenaed documents, how the banks, uh, a number of American and, and foreign banks, 
alerted the Treasury Department that something fishy was going on with the money, that there were these uh, uh, huge amounts of money coming and going, washing through different accounts, and then being dispersed. Uh, Is that money laundering? Is it tax evasion? Something fishy is going on. Goodwin says he has a theory as to why the DOJ didn't thoroughly investigate Hunter Biden. We just know this investigation was not honest. It was not wholehearted. It did not go after uh, what are the source of these funds, where did the funds end up. And because if you do, you very quickly get to Joe Biden. That, that, that What role did Joe Biden play in his family with these foreign influence peddling schemes And did Joe Biden share in the profits while he was vice president? And that's the key here, because we know from Tony Bobulinski, the former partner of Hunter Biden's, that Joe Biden was up to speed on a deal where the Biden family got over $10 million for work it did in 2015 and 2016 when Joe was vice president. So did Joe get a cut of that money? This was the big guy who was going to get a secret 10% cut. Mm. All of these questions remain unanswered because the U.S. attorney in Delaware took the tank, jumped into the tank, tanked the case, and did not follow the money. House Republicans say they will continue to look into the Biden family business dealings. Senate Republicans fell just shy in their bid to overturn a new Biden ATF rule that bans stabilizing braces on pistols. We get more on this story from Washington and our Daybreak insider, Bob Agnew. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer won the day arguing the braces allow a shooter to use a pistol like a machine gun with one hand. That's what pistol braces allow you to do. And because they don't have a long barrel... It makes it much easier to conceal them. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas asked why punish Americans who only wish to defend themselves. And practice their Second Amendment rights. This answer from Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana. They say they just want to regulate guns. They don't. They want to abolish guns. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. On Thursday, 3M announced that it had reached an agreement to settle lawsuits claiming that toxic so-called forever chemicals had contaminated water supplies in the United States. CNBC's Sema Moody breaks down what is known about the settlement. 3M announcing a $10.3 billion PFAS settlement with public water suppliers in the U.S. that have sued the company um, on PFAS contamination. The company says it expects to record a pre-tax charge of roughly that amount in the second quarter. And in this release, CEO Mike Roman says, quote, this is an important step forward for 3M. One thing I would point out, this $10.3 billion does not cover the growing list of states that are suing the chemical manufacturer over toxic forever chemicals that are linked to illnesses. So we still need clarity on those specific legal setbacks. But this news of a settlement tied to water utilities does suggest the company is making progress in addressing this PFAS legal setback that has weighed on the stock. You'll see shares of 3M are popping here. 3M, which produces scotch tape, among other products, will now pay $10.3 billion over 13 years to fund 
public water suppliers in the U.S. that have detected these chemicals in drinking water supplies. A group of chemicals known collectively as PFAS, or forever chemicals, have been found in hundreds of household items, including makeup and carpeting, and are used to make coatings that repel water, grease, and oil. The problem with these forever chemicals is that they tend to stay in the body, causing cancer, developmental defects, and other health problems. The lawsuit alleged that 3M knew these chemicals were dangerous and that they had leached into many U.S. drinking water systems. Last year, 3M said it would stop producing the chemicals by the end of 2025. If you can believe it, a new type of meat has been approved by the Agriculture Department. Our Daybreak Insider Keith Peters has more on this story and what may be heading to your dinner table. Chicken grown from animal cells, not from slaughtered birds, can now be sold in the U.S. The Agriculture Department issued approvals to California firms Upside Foods and Good Meat to sell the products known as lab-grown or cultivated meat. The meat is grown in steel tanks using cells that come from a living animal, a fertilized egg, or a special bank of stored cells. The goal is to eliminate harm to animals and drastically reduce the environmental impacts of raising them. Keith Peters reporting. And finally, at Two Tourist, one of the most famous crime scenes in history is now open to the public. Rome is allowing tourists to get close to the spot where Julius Caesar may have been assassinated. It's believed to be an ancient crime scene that history buffs will want to see. After years of work to make it more accessible, Largo Argentina Square in Rome will welcome visitors with new areas and exhibits to explore. A walkway has been created so guests can get closer to the ancient site where it's believed Roman ruler Julius Caesar was killed by a group of rival senators in 44 BC. The site was previously displayed behind a barrier, but now the artifacts and structures will be closer than ever before. There are four temples from the Republican era, a period of which very little evidence is preserved, and which tell us about the evolution of this architecture in the age of Republican Rome. With all its decorative elements and all the materials that were used before the arrival of marble. The site was discovered in the 1920s during excavations for a building project in Rome. Now the treasures that were found can be enjoyed by everyone. For a long time, Argentina Square, known as the Sacred Area, was closed off to any visitors other than ghosts or cats. Now, for just five euros for non-residents, a series of walkways will take visitors through the area where the angry senators stabbed the Roman emperor to death on the Ides of March. The temples were first discovered when Benito Mussolini was demolishing medieval area structures as part of an urban renewal program. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. 
ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.